Hi, this is Doug Hooley broadcasting from the Upper Room in an undisclosed location in the foothills of the beautiful Cascade Mountain Range, and you're listening to the Called Out Cafe podcast. This is the 24th and final episode of a series based on my book, Watch. If you've listened to all the episodes, you've already listened to over 16 and a half hours of teaching on the Olivet Discourse. As I'm recording this episode, the month of June is only a few days away and things around our hobby-sized farm that my wife Angela and I live on are starting to get really busy. The busyness usually lasts until the fall. Harvest of our 500 blueberry bushes and the marketing of what God provides us with will soon begin. Did I mention that Angela and I are typically the only ones doing the harvesting? We usually wrap up the harvest by August and then try to sneak in a trip or two in between the heavy summer maintenance we have to do around the farm. All of this to say, as far as the podcasts go, I'll be taking a break until sometime in the fall when our outdoor pursuits slow back down. The exception would be an occasional special edition podcast if something necessitates one. The best way to keep in touch with when I start back up would be to be put on my email list. To get on that list, email me at doug at doughooley.com. I'll also notify people via Facebook and Twitter if you follow me on those media outlets. As far as my ministry goes, I'll continue to have several irons in the fire this summer. The main one is a book I've been working on for a few years now. The title of the book, here we go, is Leaving the Church to Follow Jesus. It follows my last book, False Christian Gods, Choose Your Jesus Wisely. Leaving the Church to Follow Jesus compares the few scriptures contained in the New Testament pertaining to the gathering together of Jesus' called out ones to what we see occurring in the churches today. Then it looks at what's happened during the last 2,000 years as a great deal of man-made religious traditions, to put it nicely, have been piled on top of the scripture to make the church what it is today, a very unbiblically based organization. I've just completed my deep dive research into church history, but still have a long ways to go with writing and editing. I also just started leading a Bible study in the absence of the regular teacher for a while. The topic deals with the reestablishing of the primitive or earliest church worldview as we read Scripture. Specifically, the part of the worldview which pertains to how the ancient Hebrews and earliest Christians thought of the unseen, supernatural, or spirit realm of God's creation. Understanding the worldview of biblical authors and who they were originally writing to is important in allowing us to accurately interpret what they were writing about after several thousand years have passed. Yes, Scripture was inspired by God, but originally it was in terms that an ancient culture could understand. Those terms have changed, and failing to understand these things can be like guessing at the meaning while we're reading somebody else's mail. Just another light topic, right? (laughs) I'll think and pray about it this summer, but when... Lord willing, I start the podcast back up in the fall, probably in October. The subject matter will likely be based on either the Bible study I'm leading now, or one of the other books that I've written, or a study based on the book of either Daniel or Revelation. Revelation would be quite a commitment. I just spent 16 hours, after all, adequately addressing only four chapters in the New Testament. If you have a strong opinion, let me know via email. 
If, until then, you want to catch up on other teaching I've done, you can tune in my YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and uh, put it in the search, Doug Hooley or Doug Hooley Ministries in the search, and it should come up. Uh, there's about 24 short videos there, including a series of 12 videos in which I debunk various popular arguments in favor of the pre-tribulation rapture idea. I think that's about the extent of any kind of announcements uh, I have for you. So, let's wrap up the Olivet Discourse. It was a Tuesday evening when Jesus spoke the words of the Olivet Discourse to his twelve disciples. By Friday night, he was dead. He overcame death and rose again to live forever on Sunday morning, and he would only be in and out of the lives of his disciples for the next forty days before he left the earth. The Olivet Discourse is one of the precious things that the Master, Jesus, entrusted to his servants to use and take care of while he is gone. Having studied the Olivet Discourse, you've learned how to cut through end times deception. You can identify the signs which indicate that his return is near. You also have learned what things, as fantastic and disastrous as they are, do not necessarily mean the end of the age is close. You know how important it is for a good and faithful servant to await the return of Jesus with certainty and expectancy. It's gonna happen. That means taking care of the Master's business until we see Him face to face. The world apart from God is spiritually dark. It's currently being ruled by Satan. It's no wonder why people are so unsatisfied with the way the world is today. Everything appears to be falling apart around us. Pain, suffering, deterioration, the aging process, poverty, and evil surround us. Everyone experiences discomfort from time to time and hopes for something they don't have. Better health, more wealth, more wisdom, more degrees, longer life, more time, a bigger house, more talent, a better job, better behaved children, better elected officials, less crime, a greener world, or better relationships. People long to live in a perfect world. It's as though everyone, both sinner and saint, is always looking for or seeking something they don't have. To paraphrase Reverend Timothy Keller, the founding pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan, Human beings seem to have a memory of something or some place that we have never personally experienced, and we're all trying to get back to it. What we seem to be remembering, as Reverend Keller put it, is the way the world was prior to the fall of Adam. It was the world in the original state intended for humans, where total contentment and satisfaction were possible, and where humans could commune face to face with their Creator. Although we were created to live there, none of us has ever lived in such a place. We want to live in the home where no one after Adam and Eve have ever lived. Being made to live in such a place appears to be a part of every human's DNA. We all long to go back to the garden. The reborn follower of Jesus is twice vexed with the feeling of longing for another place and time. In our humanness, we not only want to return to the perfect world that we have never known, but those who have been saved by the blood of the Lamb 
and are spiritually reborn recognize that they are also citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Citizens of heaven, while still in mortal bodies on this earth, have the immigration status of being strangers in a foreign land. Christians may feel homesick. They don't completely fit in with the worldly culture that exists in this current age. Although citizens of heaven are currently spiritually immortal, as one day our resurrected bodies will be, the confines of this physical, temporary body are cursed to ultimately break down and die. Being an immortal in a mortal body doesn't feel right. Citizens of heaven yearn for the time when this will no longer be the case. What Christians instinctively look forward to is the way the world will be again when Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom on this earth. What the lost inhabitants of the earth are looking for is a world that will never exist, a utopia where they call all the shots. Lack of contentment with this world drives people to look for answers. Ever since Jesus' feet left the earth and he ascended into the clouds, people have been looking for answers regarding his return. Because most lack knowledge about what God's Word says on the subject, many have been deceived about the correct answers. This is not necessarily for lack of enthusiasm, passion, or yearning for His return. In our role of priest, we are to be lights to the world and ready with well-studied answers regarding God's plan when people have questions. As you have seen in our study of the Olivet Discourse, Jesus gave us the answers to the questions we ask about His return. Maybe you've previously studied the Olivet Discourse, or perhaps you came to a deeper understanding of it through this podcast. But now it's time to ask the question, what now? What should you do with the knowledge you have gained? The answer is go forth and be biblically watchful. Continue to study the scriptures to gain knowledge. Use that knowledge in wisdom as you observe and experience the world around you and wait for Jesus' return, like Noah waited for the flood, with certainty and expectancy. I encourage you to continue your study of prophetic scripture utilizing a sound set of rules of interpretation, what some call hermeneutics. The Olivet Discourse is the place to start when learning about the return of Jesus. It sets the foundational framework for the rest of prophetic scripture. Jesus ties the Olivet Discourse to the Old Testament when he directly mentions the prophet Daniel. He also references the Old Testament by quoting and paraphrasing passages. Be prepared to use what you've learned from the Olivet Discourse as a springboard to take you all over the Bible. The apostles Paul and Peter add additional details to what you've read in the Olivet Discourse. With careful study, you can see the consistency of Scripture and determine how their writings fit in perfectly with the information that Jesus gave. The Apostle John's vision in Revelation fills in many more details concerning Jesus' return, including the rapture of the church and the end of the age. Finally, studying the major and minor Old Testament prophets will complete and strengthen what you've learned about the end of the age. I'd even recommend going back and studying the first five books of the Bible. Jesus is everywhere, and His return is everywhere. The promises God made to Israel regarding the end of the age is everywhere. You can learn a great deal about the future of the followers of Jesus in the Old Testament. 
If you want to know more about how it'll all end, you can start by finding some of the answers in the book of beginnings, Genesis. You'll recognize a great deal of imagery used in the New Testament. These Old Testament books are especially important to completely understand the prophetic promises God made to Israel concerning the Millennial Kingdom and the Day of the Lord. Does all this sound like a big task? Well, don't worry. You have the rest of your life to get it figured out. If you're interested in reading more books concerning the rapture of the church and the end of the age, I recommend the following reading list. First, The Rapture Question Answered and The Sign by the late Robert Van Campen. I'm not sure if either one of those is in print, but I'm sure you could probably still get it used. Next, The Pre-Wrath Rapture of the Church by Marvin Rosenthal. Then, The Antichrist Before the Day of the Lord by Alan Kushner. Next would be God's Elect and the Great Tribulation by Charles Cooper. And then finally, The Sign of the End of the Age by Paul Kalbach. The Bible is the story of King Jesus, why he created us, his family history, what's wrong in the world, why we need him so badly, what he's like, what his expectations of us are, and what he intends for our future with him. There are many characters and groups of characters included in his story that require watchfulness. Although there are only a few main characters, ultimately, the information contained in the Olivet Discourse like the entire Bible, has meaning for and will impact the entire world. One significant character group in the story of Jesus is the church. They will go through the great persecution prior to being raptured. So, watch for the persecution of the church at the hands of the Antichrist figure and a subsequent large falling away from the faith. Another extremely important character group will be a remnant of the descendants of the tribes of Israel that God chooses to seal and protect. They, like the raptured Christians, will be protected from God's wrath. However, they will remain on the earth. These people are Jews that will accept Jesus as their Messiah and follow Him wherever He asks them to go. Although all of Israel will be saved, not everyone in Israel or every descendant of the tribes of Israel will be saved. God will decide who will make up all of Israel. Israel will enter into a seven-year covenant of death with the Antichrist. This seven-year covenant will be interrupted halfway through by an act committed by the Antichrist known as the abomination of desolation. This act will include the termination of the daily sacrifice in the Jewish temple or holy place and the Antichrist setting himself up to be worshipped as God. The watchful will be looking for the covenant and the abomination of desolation to occur exactly 1260 days after the covenant is initiated. The act of abomination of desolation necessitates that a holy place that does not exist now will exist in the future. So, prior to Jesus' return, the holy place, where a reinstituted Jewish daily sacrifice will be taking place, must be constructed. One can easily watch for such an event. Jesus is going to return to this earth sometime within a three and a half year period after the Antichrist commits the act of the abomination of desolation. When Jesus does return, you won't be able to miss it. As you're watching along the way, events may come along that seem really bad, but 
bad relative to what? Are they bad relative to Nazi Germany, Stalin's USSR, or how about Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon? Remember, followers of Jesus will watch for the hard signs and not be alarmed by the soft signs of the time. Knowing that there are signs and a sequence of prophetic events lined out in the Bible prior to the return of Jesus means that the return of Jesus will not overtake you like a thief in the night. Tragically, that will not be the case for the unbeliever and for the elect that have been deceived and those Christians who are not watching. Until Jesus comes back, his followers are to faithfully live with expectancy of his return. This is another strong worldview that was held by the primitive church, which has been largely lost to time. We know without a doubt he will return, and we know he will hold his servants accountable. The lesson of the parable of the talents tells us that the true servants of Jesus will receive eternal life and rewards commensurate with their achievements. Millions of people are curious about how the world will end. Christians are looking for answers regarding the return of Christ, and many pastors and teachers are answering, it really doesn't matter. Yet, Jesus provided the real answers and commanded his followers to put the information that he provided to use by actively watching for his return. So, as we go forward and make disciples, let us make complete disciples, ones who know the facts about the return of Jesus. If you're a disciple of Jesus, it's not necessary for you to wait on anyone to tell you to teach what you know about him to others. Jesus has already given you the go-ahead. Once you have command of the things Jesus said in regard to his return, I encourage you to talk to others about it. However, please only do so utilizing love and the wisdom of Christ as your guide. Hopefully you've seen how important the topic is and how much deception you may be up against when talking to others. Don't ever be embarrassed for looking forward to the return of Jesus or talking about it. It's our great hope. I can't wait to see my Lord face to face and see what he wants me to do next. <laughs> the return of Jesus will be no secret. The moon is going to go dark or appearing to be blood red, and it'll accompany the return of Christ. The sun will also lose its light, and the stars will appear to fall from the sky. Then the sky is going to roll back like a scroll. Well, if you miss all that, you won't miss the accompanying earthquake that will shake the entire planet moving every mountain and island from its place. When these things occur, it's time to look up into the sky if you want to see Jesus coming on the clouds in great glory and splendor. Then, what a ride you're going to have. <laughs> Once Jesus returns, the first thing he'll do is send out his angels through the entire earth to gather his elect. Those who are alive at the time will be changed in the blink of an eye into their immortal form. They'll be gathered to Jesus together with those followers who have previously died. Those who have previously died will be resurrected and in possession of their new immortal body, a body like Jesus had upon his resurrection, a recognizable body you can touch. They'll have bodies that still eat, but don't ever get sick, break, or wear out. Bodies that can also pass through walls, travel great distances instantly, be invisible, and fly without the aid of machinery. 
Bodies that cannot be drowned or suffocated. Bodies that won't suffer from cancer or heart attacks. We're going to meet many ancestors that loved Jesus before we were ever thought of or existed. We're going to be reunited with our parents, with our siblings, and with our children who may have preceded us in death. What a sweet, sweet day that'll be. Once Jesus returns for his followers, there will be no more sorrow, no tears, no pain, no being overweight, (laughs) no alcoholism. There'll be no need for Obamacare. (laughs) The blind and lame won't be. Abortion clinics will be forgotten. Aging parents and grandparents won't need to worry about what home their children are going to have to move them into. Mankind's, quote, science will be rendered obsolete by the creator of everything. What we know about now, we only know in part. Then, when we see Jesus, we will know everything in full. Jesus' government will be perfect. There will be real peace. No need for treaties. No need for the United Nations. The economy will flourish. There will be no injustice and no need for welfare. Our Master will do all of this upon His return. That is the day that we are watching for. I am so excited to get to meet all my brothers and sisters in Christ one day. I hope that includes you. Each one of you are a treasure chest full of the unique life experiences God has given you. And there's so much for us to talk about, if not sooner, than after our Lord's return. I hope to see you then. (laughs) Until that time, if my master allows it, I'll be spending more of his talents he's entrusted to me on taking care of my family. And if it's his will, finishing the writing of my next book and recording more podcasts in the fall. How you spend your talents is between you and our Master. In closing, I quote the words of my Master, Jesus. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Until my next podcast, you can follow me on Facebook by going to the Doug Hooley Ministries page. I'm on Twitter at at Doug H. Ministries. And I'm on Instagram, at Doug Hooley Ministries. Find out about what I'm working on and read some of my blogs at DougHooley.com. Or email me at Doug at DougHooley.com. That's Doug at D-O-U-G-H-O-O-L-E-Y dot com. I'd love to hear from you. This has been the Called Out Cafe. So long and God bless.